Hey, I'm Casey. And I'm Lauren. And this is... Magnum B.I., the true crime podcast where we add a little social justice commentary, a little bit of comedy, and my pinkity drinkity. (laughs) (laughs) I bought Lauren her first pink drink. It's true. Now I can say that I've um, tasted the James Charles experience. She has. (laughs) Wait, no. So have I. Wait, no. Me and James, we go way back. Me and Jimmy. You know, he actually went to school like 20 minutes away from my high school. He was Did in, he really? Yeah, he was in Bethlehem. Oof. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know, like I said, 20 minutes or so away from that. Do you know any mutual people? No, not really. Everybody Good. just kind of said that he was like a theater kid in high school, you know? Ugh. <laughs> Remember the whole James Charles and what was her name? Tati. Tati. Remember yes. that? Oh, the sugar bear hair scandal? Yeah, that was... My Dude. parents are listening to this and they're like, what kind of language are no. you speaking? I re- <laughs> no, I literally remember exactly where I was when the Bi Sister video came out. Okay, mm-hmm. So I was in... I was in lecture hall when I still went to the University of Buffalo. And I saw, like, the notification come on my phone. So I go to YouTube and I'm like, why is this video of this like washed up beauty guru trending <laughs> and I click it and she's like James Charles is evil and I was like whoa, <laughs> whoa. and at that point I had like 27 million views already yeah like, yeah. yeah and I was and, and so I sat down and watched the whole thing and I was like damn all this over some gummies yeah <laughs> all over some vitamins it was really really wild it was a crazy time to be alive it changed and now we have life. the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial mm-hmm. which will we might get into eventually. Yeah, a little, you know, maybe like a little mini episode. Mini-sode. Like, yeah, mini-sode. Between seasons, yeah. maybe, yeah. Something quick just to touch on it because we're like one week in as we're recording this right now. One week in a couple days. And it's been crazy so far. It's been, it's, it's, it's wild. It's, it's very so entertaining. <laughs> and I remember, okay, we'll get to the case soon. But I remember <laughs> like when Casey Anthony, mm-hmm. not the same thing, but when Casey Anthony was <laughs> happening and I was young mm-hmm. and that was kind of the first time that I had, I like really followed like a court case mm-hmm. and it, they're just really, it's really interesting oh, when yeah. a circus forms around them, watching them go. It's like really cool to watch. Oh yeah, completely. And I mean, all the stuff about like, you know, there being allegations amber please don't sue me Um, she will i know that's the scary part um there's allegations that you know she may have weaponized the me too movement to kind of craft a narrative that wasn't necessarily true Mm -hmm. so i'm very interested to see if that ends up being the case and it's already sparked a lot of really good discussion about like um domestic violence and like how men can still be victims and all these really important things that definitely needed to be talked about regardless i agree no and i mean there's two sides to every story every what is it every story has there's three sides to every story yes like mine yours and the truth whatever the hell Mm -hmm. but like yeah there is a really important conversation about men being abused Mm -hmm. especially by women yes that is being had and Mm -hmm. i think that's cool Mm -hmm. anyway um, (laughs) so long long intro on this one guys (laughs) this week Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about case um now i want to Right out the gate, start with a few things. Okay. Um, so I'm going to introduce the name and we'll do the intro. But I just want to say that this week is really heavy and really sad. Okay. 
And I mean, it's a true crime podcast. Every week is heavy and sad, but mm-hmm. just this one in particular is a case that like has always really sat in my gut and just gives me like this horrible feeling. Oh no. So it's not gory. It's not graphic. Like it's mm-hmm. nothing like that. It's just very insidious. So if you're not in the headspace to deal with that, we'll see you next week. Ooh. Maybe circle back when you're doing better. Mm-hmm. It's just very dark. Mm-hmm. But this week we'll be talking about Tara Calico. Let's get into it. So Tara Calico was born February 28th, 1962 in Belen, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's like a city town on the southern end of the Albuquerque metropolitan area. Okay. So it's like within, like you could commute to Albuquerque for work kind of thing. Okay, nice. Um, before I get further, again, a couple things. Um, one, this is a like pseudo unsolved case (laughs) which you know i love yeah (laughs) um but i think that stresses some people out not getting to like a nice little bow on the end Mm -hmm. um it's unsolved in the sense that there has never been a charge made against somebody but we'll get to some people at the end who it's there's more or less an answer okay um but also content warning like i said heavy episode so there will be mentions of kidnapping and child abduction, mentions of rape, um, police negligence, and the death of a child. Oh, okay. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, we're going there. We're, it's, yeah. Um, so Tara lived with her mother, whose name was Patty Dole, and her stepfather, John Dole. Okay. Most accounts that I've seen sort of indicated that John raised Tara since she was very young. So her stepfather essentially, like, stepped in as a father and was there her whole life. Okay. She also had two siblings. She had a brother and a sister. Mm -hmm. Um, She was very intelligent. She was very driven. She was very organized and punctual. Mm -hmm. When I'm saying that, we're we're risking getting into, like, the ideal white dead girl syndrome. Yes. Where she's perfect and there's nothing wrong with her. Mm -hmm. Um, But these are just some things that people who knew her have said about her. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also feel kind of guilty covering this case because in like the deep true crime community, this case is really heavily covered. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Like more like a few years back. Okay. Um, But there are just some really interesting things to talk about with police negligence later on. So Mm -hmm. I thought it would kind of fit our our shtick. Oh, very much so. I mean, I did Henry Lee Lucas and he's super famous. So go for it. Oh my God. I'm still like (laughs) torn up over him, but. Oh, the the Rangers. Oh, (laughs) my mama. (laughs) Um, So our story starts on September 20th, 1988. Mm -hmm. Tara is 19 years old at this point. Mm -hmm. She's a sophomore at the university of New Mexico studying psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, She also has a part-time job at a bank. Oh, wow. Uh, after college, she planned on going to grad school and then becoming a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. She was in incredible physical shape. Um, this is evidenced. <laughs> you're going to hate her. Oh, really? This is evidenced by the fact that Tara went on a daily 
daily 34 mile bike ride. What? Daily. Why? <laughs> whoa, whoa, girl. <laughs> I know. 34 miles? 30 daily. 34 every morning. Morning. 34 miles. Un, I, I don't want to. <laughs> that, that does sound a little like ED behavior. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I know. Very compulsory. Valid, um, yeah. Girly, I hope you're okay. Her calves were probably like. Oh, she was fucking sculpted. Like, I'm sure. Chiseled. Oh my God. My mom. <laughs> um. She does workouts through this company called Beachbody. And one of the instructors is named Lean Chalene. <laughs> and I'm just picturing her right now. Like, as you can imagine, like the skinniest, yeah. most perfectly toned, blonde, tan woman you've ever Every seen. Every muscle you can see. Yep, exactly. Yeah. She has like a 12 pack and she's had six kids. It's crazy. What's it? Lean Celine? Lean Chalene. Lean Chalene. <laughs> um... Skinny Shaleen, they call me. Yes, sir. Um, so Tara went on this 37, or sorry, 34 mile bike ride Don't give day. her three extra. Yeah, why couldn't she? Have, what the fuck? She doesn't try hard enough. God. Um, she takes the same route on Highway 47 in Valencia County, New Mexico every day. Mm-hmm. Her mother would often join her. Oh, wow. Um, however, a few weeks prior to this point, um, she and her mother, while they were on a bike ride, were followed for a few miles by someone in a pickup truck. No. Yep. No, and this is why I I go to the gym on campus. Yeah. <laughs> in the daytime. Yes, exactly. Oh, fuck that. Um, no. It freaked out her mom so much that her mom stopped going on the bike rides. Oh, no. She encouraged Tara to stop going as well. Oh. Or if she was going to go, she told her that she should be carrying mace. Yeah. But Tara, like any 19-year-old girl would, was like, Mom, it's fine. I want to go on my bike ride. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Whatever. What if I miss 34 miles? What will I do? What if I only get 15 miles? Yeah, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So around 9.30 in the morning on September 20th, Tara goes for her 37-mile bike ride. Um, 34. Yeah, 34-mile bike. she, She had plans to be home by noon so that she could get ready to go play tennis with her boyfriend. Oh my god. So Girlie was going to go play tennis after this. Holy shit, what kind of Starbucks pink drink is she drinking? <laughs> Coke. Can I have some? <laughs> um, a while earlier, like a few days or a few weeks earlier, mm-hmm. her bike had gotten a flat tire. Mm-hmm. Um, so she told her mother, Patty, that if she wasn't home by noon to get ready to play tennis, mm-hmm. she should come looking for her because mm. her tire might have gone flat. Okay. At noon, Tara was not home. Okay. No, oh no. So Patty drives along the usual bike route looking for Tara, and she doesn't find her. Um, she calls local hospitals, thinking that maybe Tara got in an accident and was picked up by someone. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she calls the police. Yeah. So instantly, a huge police team is organized, a search team is organized mm-hmm. to go looking for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did not find Tara. Okay. Um, instead, along the route... They find a broken piece of her Sony Walkman. Oh. Um, and it actually had a cassette tape in it at the time. It was a, a cassette tape by the band Boston. Oh, okay. Which is the most deeply 1988 thing in the world. <laughs> what did they, what have they done? Boston? Yeah. Some of my mom's favorite songs, but I couldn't <laughs> name one of them. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so several people were contacted who like live along this route or were driving along this route Mm -hmm. and they tell the police that they saw Tara on her bike ride that day. Right. But, um, they didn't see her get abducted. 
Um, however, several witnesses did recall seeing a light-colored pickup truck, possibly a 1953 Ford, with a camper shell attached to the back that had been trailing her for several miles. No, absolutely not. Like... Oh, that makes me ill. Can you imagine? I get, I get like, concerned if someone is tailgating me too close. Yeah. And I and I drive a, I drive a big car. She does. And so I have no reason to, you know logically be worried about that kind of thing but oh my god like and you're on a bike yeah yeah and in the desert being followed by some guy oh my god well i'm I'm assuming it's a guy fair assumption (laughs) um (laughs) so the investigation carries on and it gains some steam tara's family also her name i believe is tara i might be pronouncing it tara just because that's how i have grown up pronouncing it Mm -hmm. but i believe it's tara tara gotcha anyway tara's family um Especially her parents, Patty and Jahan, are, like, adamant to find their daughter. They go on a rampage to find their daughter. Oh, of course. I would. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) They're doing everything to figure out where she went. Um, Patty suspects that Tara broke off the piece of her Walkman at the scene and left it there to leave a trail of breadcrumbs. Because Tara is very smart. Oh, my God. So her mom thinks she was, like, dropping hints. That that makes me so sad because that could be the case, but that could also be a mother's grief. Yeah. That, ooh, ooh, no, 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 no. A lot of this is like, we'll get into it later, but a lot of it is like, okay, that's that's a valid suspicion to have, but also like, I don't know if you're just grieving really hard and you're grasping at straws. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. Um, so okay. the investigation within the next few days is, in, is hampered by some bad weather, mm-hmm. but altogether it continues. However, there are no successes and no leads. Um, fast forward nine months. Okay. So on June 15th of 1989, nine months after Tara went, mer- went missing, um, a woman walks out of a convenience store in Port, Port St. Joe, Florida. Okay. Um, also, <laughs> I wrote, a woman walks out of a convenience store in Port St. Joe, Florida. Sounds like the name of a literary fiction novel. <laughs> Like a tree grows in Brooklyn. Yeah. That kind of vibes. Oh my God. Um, so in the parking lot of this convenience store in Florida, there's a windowless van, a windowless white Toyota van. No, no. Um, dislike. Being Major driven dislike. by a white man, probably in his thirties with a mustache. You're a white guy with a mustache driving a windowless white van. Come on. <laughs> like, Could you be any more suspicious? <laughs> literally. Could like, you- it, like spray paint the side of your van. I am a kid. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Like, like there's a girl in here. <laughs> like, oh, oh no, my god. Please don't pull me over. <laughs> like, dude, shave oh, your mustache. Christ. Um. So, this woman comes out of the store and she sees that the van is gone. She only noticed the van in the first place because it's a windowless white van. Yeah. Um. In the the empty parking spot, however, where this van had been parked. There's a Polaroid photo on the ground. Oh, no. Oh, no. So the woman picks it up. This is the part of the story that is just terrifying. Kidnapping stuff already, like, gives me the major ick. As a, I'm a small woman. Oh. <laughs> I worry about this kind of thing a lot. scary as hell. I used to have such a huge fear of being kidnapped when I was young. And yeah. I still have it when I was, like, a child. <laughs> And I still, though, like, I have a ring doorbell. Mm -hmm. I have pepper spray by my bed. Don't try it, listeners. Like, I'm, like, still afraid. Uh But, I mean, I'm also a 6'7 white guy. But anyway, (laughs) um, so this this 
Polaroid photo Mm -hmm. is in the parking lot where the white van had been parked in Florida. The woman picks it up. Um, It's not a graphic photo, and it's available online if you look up, like, Tara Calico Polaroid. Mm. But it's just a very scary photo. So, um, in the photo, Mm -hmm. there are two people lying down in the back of a van. They're lying on a bunch of pillows and blankets. Um, Next to one of the people is a copy of a novel called My Sweet Adrena uh, by V.C. Andrews. Mm -hmm. The person in the back of the photo is a young boy. He's like, he's a child, essentially. Okay. Um, I mean, not essentially. He is a child. Yeah. He's brunette. He's wearing a white t-shirt. He's looking at the camera and he appears to be either really afraid or like he was just crying. Like he's, he has some like Like really visceral. visceral, Yeah. 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 Um, in the foreground, there's a young girl in like her late teens, early twenties. She's white. She's brunette. She's wearing short shorts. She's also looking at the camera, but her expression is just like pissed. Like she just looks like, fuck you, dude. Like Mm -hmm. she's just looking at the camera, like fuck off. Mm -hmm. Um, now both of the people in the photo, Mm -hmm. this young girl and the male child, have black duct tape over their mouths and their hands are tied behind their backs. Oh my god. <laughs> no. And dude. this woman sees a white van drive off, picks this up, and there's a picture of two people tied up in the back of a van. Like Oh my god. Ugh. And you can look up the photo, it's everywhere online. If you look up her name even, it's the first thing that comes up. It is. And it's Look it up. I'm it's gonna do it. Horrific. It's just terrifying. Oh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Technical difficulty. <laughs> um, so, the woman immediately takes this Polaroid photo to the police. Yeah. Um, the port port. This is really hard to say. The Port St. Joe, Florida police, instantly set up roadblocks around the city mm-hmm. to try and stop anyone driving a white van. All right, work. Yeah, like they were mobilized, they were ready, they were on their shit for once. Congratulations, Florida. Um, Yeah. (laughs) They're thinking that these two, this young woman and this child, are trafficking victims. Of course, yeah. Um, However, they can't find the guy. Fuck. (laughs) Um, Investigators, and this is like really crazy investigation stuff Mm -hmm. that's just baller. Mm -hmm. Um, They're able to determine that the photo was taken... um, Okay, so the film mm-hmm. on which the photo was taken, the Polaroid film itself, yep. was only produced for the public May 1989 and later, that specific type of film. Oh. So since the photo was found in mid-June, mm-hmm. it means that the photo had been taken in the past month and a half. Very recently. Like very recently. Ooh, okay. Um, which is really crazy that they could connect the dots like that. Yeah. Also, can you imagine Polaroids being that new? No. (laughs) They're still, like, newfangled. And you're using it to take pictures of, like, like, go... Trafficking Go to the beach, dude. You're in Florida. Yeah, literally, like, like, take a picture of an alligator. (laughs) That'd be better. Wrestle one, dude. Yeah, literally. Get eaten. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a show on at the time. Yeah. It's, like, an investigative journalism sort of tabloid show. Right. um, Where they talk about, like, topical social issues. Okay. It's on Fox, and it's called A Current Affair. Oh, okay, yeah. At the time, it was hosted by Maury Povich, who's oh, the, you're guy. not the father 
guy. Really? Yeah. And then he transitioned into the, oh, Into, that's... like, tacky stage stupid. <laughs> but this was, like, a real legit nationwide broadcast show. I do love a good Maury, though. Like, I love Every Maury. now and then, <laughs> when you had some wine. Oh, my God, yeah. And you're not, you don't want to think critically for the night. You're like, get his ass! Yeah. <laughs> Beat him up! Beat him up! <laughs> um, so, the show... In uh, July of 1989, airs the Polaroid photo. Wow. In hopes of just kind of finding information, if mm-hmm. somebody knows who these people are, if somebody, because th- they obviously don't know who these people are yeah. either. Yeah. Not only who took the photo, but who the people in the photo are. Right. Um, so friends of Tara's parents, Patty and John Dole, see the show mm-hmm. and they contact her parents mm-hmm. and they say, hey, this is going to be really hard for you to look at. But there's this Polaroid photo going around on the news, and it looks a lot like Tara. Oh, that is that is nightmare fuel. I cannot even imagine. Like, yeah, no. Having to look because the photo, looking at it as like a human being, is hard. Looking at it and being like, "Oh my god, that looks like my daughter." I cannot even imagine like the gut feeling like. Like, people talk about, like, your heart drops out your asshole. Yeah. Like, I think mine would do that. Yeah. It would, oh, my God. And then there's, like, some weird relief because it's been nine months and you haven't heard anything. And now you're like, oh, my God, this might be her and she might be alive. But then it's also like, is she okay? And in the photo, the if you look it up, you'll see it. But the two, the, the very young boy and the young woman in the photo, they don't look, like, beaten. They don't look starved. Their skin is actually tan. Like, they look like they've been being kept in okay condition they're being kept i know it's like everything here is like there's silver lining but it's like so deeply awful yeah like she's alive but or she was or is she is this even her no one knows if it's her so keep in mind again this white van and the, the place where it was found underneath the white van um is in florida Yes. Tara went missing from outside Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's right. So for our non-American listeners, (laughs) or for those of you who just don't know geography. Hi, that's me. (laughs) um, There's 1,400 miles between Albuquerque and Port St. Joe, Florida. Um, It's about a 22 and a half hour drive. Wow. So it's been nine months at this point, Mm -hmm. and we determined that the photo was taken fairly recently, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's still... it's a drive it's not like next door yeah of course um however (laughs) (laughs) if you can't hear that when they're playing britney spears outside my window anyway (laughs) i know you're here (laughs) um however tara's parents are immediately convinced that this is their daughter in the photo yeah they see their the photo they know it's her Mm -hmm. there's a few reasons so the girl in the photo has a cowlick in her hair in the same spot as Tara. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scar on the girl's leg, which looks similar to a scar that Tara had gotten in a car accident. Um, and My Sweet Adrena by V.C. Andrews, the, the novel that was in the car with her. Mm-hmm. Um, V.C. Andrews is the same author who wrote Flowers in the Attic. Mm-hmm. And V.C. Andrews was Tara's favorite author. So there's three oh, hints that not only does it look like her, but it you know, is her. It might, yeah, it's oh. probably her. And it's hard because 
A, it's a it's a Polaroid photo, so the quality isn't the best. And yeah. B, she has black duct tape over her mouth. Yeah. So you can't tell for sure. Yeah. But people are thinking it's her. Yeah, that's pretty telling. So investigators, when they pick up this this new photo evidence, um, they reach different conclusions about whether or not it's her. Scotland Yard. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they come yeah, from? Yeah, they jumped in on this. Yeah, they were like, um, Hello, Governor. <laughs> Think we can help with you. Think we can help you with this one. <laughs> R&R, awful far out. I think it Australia. I don't know. Our one UK listener. Sorry. Like, I'm going to hate <laughs> So Scotland Yard concludes that it's definitely Tara. Scotland Yard is confident that this is Tara. Okay, full claim. Um, the Los Alamos <laughs> National Laboratory, which was founded in World War II to build the first nuclear bomb. Whoa. And then later became like an investigation hub. Okay. Um, says it's definitely not Tara. Oh. And the FBI is inconclusive about whether or not it's her. Okay. Would you believe Scotland Yard or the nuclear scientists? Scotland Yard. I don't know. I don't know who I would believe either. Right? And then the FBI is like the tiebreaker and they're like, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> nice work, guys. <laughs> like, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> Um, so obviously, from those three agencies I just mentioned, this case really escalated to the top levels of investigators. Yeah, that's a big deal. Scotland Yard and the FBI and this nuclear bomb site. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing they're missing is the CIA and Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Don't call me Angel. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? We're going to get copyrighted. <laughs> Ari's here. <laughs> um... So it gets escalated because not only is this a young, pretty, intelligent, white girl, yep. um, but also it's a child and also yes. they're potentially trafficked yeah. and it's across state borders mm-hmm. and it's just really bizarre. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, what other case can you think of where someone disappears for that long? They reappear. They seem, you know, hopefully they're alive and there's a fucking picture in another part of the country oh my god with an unknown boy that's fucked up yeah that is so fucked up and they don't know whether or not it's her for sure yeah it's just someone that looks a lot like her and has a similar scar and a cowlick and the book it's very you know spooky we can connect the dots yeah yeah so online sleuths today have reached different results as well um analyzing like really minute facial features that you wouldn't really think about but some people point to them being similar between Tara and this girl in the photo. Some people point to them being different. Jury's still kind of out on the photo. Really? Spoiler alert, jury's still kind of out on the photo. Whoa. I'm surprised Reddit hasn't figured it out yet. Where they, they disagree on it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of discourse about the photo. Wow. The little boy in the picture. Mm-hmm. Now, this is very sad, so just brace yourself. Okay. <laughs> um. So immediately at the same time that Tara's family becomes aware of the photo and they go to investigators, the family of a young boy named Michael Henley sees the photo and they do the same. Um, In April of 1988, five months before Tara's disappearance, Michael Henley disappeared during a family camping trip in the Zuni Mountains of New Mexico, which is about 75 miles from where Tara disappeared. Michael was at a campsite with his father and a family friend for only about 20 minutes before he wandered off and oh. then disappeared. Oh, that breaks my heart. Um, he's nine years old. I don't know if I said oh, that. He's nine. He's nine. Oh. A snowstorm hit the area shortly after, so the search became really difficult. Oh. Um, his family was, quote, almost certain 
that the young boy in the photo was Michael. <laughs> However, um, in June of 1990, so over two years after his initial disappearance, um, Michael's remains were found seven miles from the family campsite. Oh. Um, it is believed that he wandered off on his own and then got lost in the woods and died of exposure. So, obviously, the young boy in the photo was not Michael Henley, because Michael Henley died within days of, of wandering off from the campsite. Oh. Um, but other than, than Michael Henley, no other really credible um, or, like, attention-seeking, I guess, leads yeah. have been made or made public. Mm -hmm. um, and we know it's not him. That's devastating. Yeah. So, in the coming years... <laughs> Um, a few other photos pop up, which appear to depict uh, Tara. Okay. So in 2009, 20 years after the original photograph was found, mm -hmm. um, the police chief of Port St. Joe receives two photographs in the mail, mm -hmm. each postmarked from Albuquerque, New Mexico. So it's mm -hmm. 20 years later, mm -hmm. the police chief of this town where the first photograph was found mm -hmm. gets two letters in the mail. Mm -hmm. The first is a school photo of a young boy with brown hair who looks very similar to the young boy in the original polograph, Polaroid photograph. Right. Um, on the photo, on the school photo, black marker is scribbled over the boy's mouth to look like duct tape. Oh, oh, oh. So someone took this photo of a young boy scribble black marker over it, and then mailed it to the police chief of the Florida town. That's ill. That 20 is years later. That is so ill. Um, a couple months later, the same police chief in the mail, postmarked from Albuquerque, gets a copy of the original Polaroid, the one found in the parking lot. Oh my god. This, this man is a sick bastard. Like, I have, I have no, literal chills. No, that's... Oh. I have literal chills. Ew... The same year, a couple months after that, the Star newspaper, which is a newspaper in Port St. Joe, Florida, same city, receives the same school photo of the young boy, again, scribbled with his mouth, scribbled black marker over his mouth. Um, the photos were sent to the FBI to try to obtain fingerprints and see who might have scribbled black marker over this boy's face, mm -hmm. or to identify who the boy was in these yeah, photos. Because yeah. <laughs> now they have a school photo. Yeah, you'd think there'd be like, I, I, I don't know, some kind of super secret FBI database, you know what I mean? Yeah, right? Like where they have every picture, I don't know. In 2009, like, I realized that the, the school photo was taken like 20 years earlier, but you'd think in 2009 they'd have some kind of technology at that point. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had some kind of facial recognition software back then that we had no idea yeah, about. Yeah, fully. You know? 2009 even. Yeah. yeah. Um, no leads were ever made. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so two more Polaroid photos surface, which may have been Tara. Oof. One was found on a construction site in Central California. Mm -hmm. It depicts a young brunette woman with tape covering her mouth. She's staring at the camera. Now, it's really blurry. It's a lot blurrier than the original photo. Mm -hmm. But the background appears really similar to the fabric in the white van. Mm -hmm. So, like, the background of this new photo mm -hmm. looks really similar to the background in the original photo. Mm -hmm. Another Polaroid, not sure where it was when it was found, but it depicts a young woman and a man on an Amtrak train. The woman is bound in gauze, and she's wearing black glasses. The man is holding her. And he appears to be, like, taunting her or making a joke. 
And she just looks like scared and like she's in pain. And it kind of looks like Tara. Ugh. Um, this one's really particularly creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's that that ew ew. Yeah, I have like I really full body. I, that's so icky. Um, Tara's mother Patty believes that this blurry photo that was found on the construction site, the one with the similar fabric in the background, mm-hmm. is her daughter. She For believes sure. that this one and the one found in the parking lot in Florida. Are, are her, daughter. her daughter. She's okay. dead set on that. Mm-hmm. She thinks that the one on the train, the one where the woman's wrapped in gauze and she's being held, mm-hmm. she does, She thinks that's like some kind of weird gag or joke. Yeah, they're fucking with or her. Or they're fucking with her or okay. it's totally unrelated. Like she just doesn't, she doesn't think that's her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, most people online also think that the train photo was some kind of sick joke. Okay. <clears throat> so Patty, Tara's mother. Yes. In the years following the disappearance, Patty and John, Tara's stepfather, become auxiliary deputies in New Mexico. What? So they go through police academy training and they become deputies. Wow. So that they can carry weapons and so that they can be privy to all the police proceedings around their daughter's disappearance. Wow. And that's not like an online course. That's like training. That's an undertaking. Yeah. Wow. Um... So, because of this, in the mail, consensually, they receive hundreds and hundreds of photos of unidentified dead bodies in hopes that they could identify one of these as Tara. Uh-uh. And Patty looked at every single photo that oh, came. Oh, Patty. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Never knowing oh, whether or not this was going to be her, her daughter. And even if it's not, you're still looking at a dead, unidentified girl. That in and of itself would definitely re-traumatize you over and over and over mm-hmm. again, seeing that. But oh. then but then every day opening it and being like, this might be, I might see a picture of my dead kid right now. And then being disappointed when you don't see a picture of your dead kid. But also relieved at But the also same relieved. Time. It's, yeah. Oh. Um, so the case is really frustrating because other than the suspicious eerie photographs, mm-hmm. there's never really been any real progress. Except for in 2008. Okay. So in 2008, Mm -hmm. the sheriff of Valencia County, a man named Rene Rivera, makes a statement that he knows exactly what happened to Tara. Where, 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 whoa, whoa, wait a goddamn minute. Where was this asshole 30 years ago? 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Where was he? I don't fucking know. What? Ah, Okay, fine. Fuck it. Tell me the thing. Oh, He's like, so I know what happened to Tara. Mm-hmm. She's not the girl in the Polaroids. Really? None of those photos are her. Don't claim. I know what happened to her. Mm-hmm. I know who killed her. I know it was a group of boys from her high school. I know which ones it, it was. But I, I can't tell you. Oh, no, absolutely fucking not. I, I cannot even imagine what I would do if I was Patty. He makes a public statement. You know that scene in The Simpsons where Homer has Bart by the neck and he's just fucking like, <laughs> yeah. shaking him? Yeah. I, I think I would go Homer Simpson on his and ass. It's like, why say anything, bro? Yeah, what the fuck? If you, if you, hello? <laughs> You're just going to keep it to yourself? So Renee, the sheriff, right. says that since there was no body ever found and there was only ever circumstantial evidence, though he knows who killed her, he can't make a case, so he's not going to say their names. This guy's an asshole. He's an asshole. He's a real asshole. It's like, why f- 
freaking say anything then. Like, are you just trying to torture her parents? Like, yeah. Like, what do you gain? Literally. Like, I, what? Why say anything Yeah, then? why? No one's pressuring you. It's been 20 years. Why say anything? You now decide to come clean. You're yeah. like, I know exactly who did it. Her mom's like, oh my God, finally. Yes, say it. Who did it? And I know why they did it. I know how they killed her. But I'm not going to. But I'm sorry. XOXO gossip girl. I don't, we don't have a body. Yes. So like that's awkward. Sorry. Sorry guys. So let's jump to 2013. Okay. It's now 25 years after her disappearance. Mm-hmm. Um, a man named Henry Brown makes a deathbed confession to police. Number one, that's the most generic name. <laughs> I know. I kept writing it and I was like, is this even right? <laughs> yeah. That's like John Doe. Yeah. But number two. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so Henry says that shortly after Tara's disappearance, he had been at a party mm-hmm. in the basement of a boy named Lawrence Romero Jr. While he was there, uh-huh. he noticed, no, just noticed, a dead girl's body under a blue tarp. What? <laughs> what? Okay, what, what kind of party is that? <laughs> in a basement? And why are you just like, oh, sick. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so two things. One, trigger warning. This is where we're going to talk about rape. Okay. So just keep that in, in mind. Mm-hmm. Two, um, I'm about to say a lot of names. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to explain who they are as I go. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these fuckers are still alive and I want to put them on blast. Okay. Third, um, <laughs> third thing, uh-huh. um, our lawyers told me that this, these are all allegations. None of this is truth. No one's ever been charged with anything. Uh-huh. X, Y, Z. This is just the story that Henry Brown told on his literal deathbed. And why would you lie on your literal deathbed? Anyway. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Again. <laughs> Our lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Lawrence Romero, mm-hmm. who's um, hosting this party, right. tells Henry Brown mm-hmm. that him, Lawrence Romero, um, a man named Dave Silva... And another unidentified man who was at the party and had red hair um, saw Tara on the day of her disappearance. Mm-hmm. They were driving with their friend Leroy Chavez. So there are four guys in the car. They're in Leroy's truck. They drive past Tara on her bike. Uh-huh. They knew her from school. They all went to school together. Mm-hmm. And there was some kind of love triangle happening. I couldn't piece it together fully, but... Tara was, was, she was involved with one of them and now she was dating one of their friends. Like there was just some kind of teenage love drama yeah, going on. Yeah, some kind on. of entanglement. Yes. Yeah. So the boys slow down. They drive next to her in their truck mm-hmm. and they're harassing her. They're telling her to get in the truck. Mm-hmm. They're making fun of her. They're reaching out the windows at her and trying to pull her off her bike. Mm-mm. At one point, Leroy Chavez, who's driving the car, accidentally hits her with his truck. Mm-hmm. She falls off her bike. Yep. They grab her, they throw her in their truck, they take her to a pit, and they rape her. A pit? A pit. Like like in the woods? It, in the desert. It's New Mexico. Oh, Some Christ. New Mexican desert pit. Oh, that is that is a nightmare. That is and these awful. four men, no. who I might call boys because they were in high school, but they're freaking men. Old enough to know better. Old enough to know better, to drive, to know better. Ugh. They rape her. Ugh. When Tara threatened to go to the police, Lawrence Romero Jr., who's the one hosting the party, who's the one who has the dead body in her basement, he is scared when she says she's going to the police. 
So he goes to the truck, he grabs a knife, and he stabs Tara to death while the other three men hold her down. Mm, mm They hid her body in some bushes, but after the search efforts really started revving up and getting serious, and Mm -hmm. it was like a huge thing, Mm -hmm. they got scared, so they moved it to Lawrence's basement. They disposed of her bike in a junkyard, and eventually they threw her body in a pond. So the police are like, yo, Henry Brown, (laughs) thank you for telling us this. Oh, my God. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your story. But... Why didn't you come forward earlier? Yeah, what the fuck? It's been 25 years. Yeah. And he says that the four men, after telling him the story, mm-hmm. threatened to kill him if he ever came forward. Okay, fair. I guess. I, so I, I get I it. I guess, yeah. And I'll also say, Henry Brown told this story, said that he was not involved at all, but that he just knew about it. We also don't know whether or not Henry Brown was involved. Yeah. But also on your deathbed, I think you could be honest, but then that kind of soils your name and you might have a family. So there's like a lot of... Yeah, yeah. There's but a lot of moving parts here. Henry Brown claims it was these four guys. Right. Um, One more thing. So Lawrence Romero Jr., who's the guy who's hosting the party, he has her in his basement. Um, He apparently, according to the story, he's the one who stabbed her. In 1991, he killed himself. Um, So he could never be questioned in 2013 after the story came out okay but one more thing lawrence romero jr's father was the sheriff at the time of tara's disappearance i thought his name sounded familiar this is the guy from before isn't it no oh but (laughs) but they're all awful the whole town sheriff system is awful yeah um so this does not only mean oh and and his father the sheriff yeah and the other three boys all their parents were aware of the murder, and were helping their sons cover up the murder. Oh my god. So the sheriff of the town is not only covering up a murder, but he's working hand-in-hand with Tara's parents, who are now deputies, and he's covering up their daughter's murder. I... Oh. And again, this is all according to Henry Brown's story. Allegedly. Allegedly, but allegedly. I'm still so mad. Oh my god. He worked with her grieving parents. Oh. Oh my fucking god. And his son killed their daughter. No. No, I would I would then kill him. I think I would yeah. kill him. Yeah. Oh my god. And oh my God. because they never found a body, the three other men who are still alive um, and allegedly were involved in this whole thing uh-huh. have never been charged or tried or anything. But I want to say their motherfucking names again because <laughs> these people might still be alive. Wait, have they never been arrested or No, because they've never anything? found a body. Oh my And it's all God. circumstantial or whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. Lawrence Romero Jr., who's dead, and yes. is sheriff father prick yep dave silva yep leroy chavez who was driving the car and this unnamed guy at the party with red hair fuck you ginger <laughs> fuck you ginger <laughs> i hope someone takes that out of context yeah, and post it on the internet <laughs> we get canceled um since henry brown's deathbed confession another man has come forward to the police to back up the story saying that the group of men told him the same thing and that he heard it too and that it's real and it happened oh my god <clears throat> but maybe the most tragic point of this whole story it gets worse. <laughs> yeah. Later in life, um, Patty and John, Tara's parents, 
moved to Florida just to get away from New Mexico. Yeah. Um, Patty always had dreams of having a beach house. But she was really hesitant to move out of New Mexico. Yeah. Because 20-some years later, she still dreamed that her daughter was going to come home to the family house someday. Oh, that makes me want to cry. And she wanted to stay there in case Tara ever just showed up on the front porch. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. But they moved to Florida. They moved from New Mexico to Florida. In Florida, Patty, Tara's mother, suffered a series of strokes. Which took away her speech, her mobility, and eventually most of her cognitive functions. Um, while she was also young, she was in her, her like early sixties at this point. Um, just all of stress, you know, and looking at these dead girls all the time, just like. Um, while she was still able to communicate and move, Patty would use a board to communicate, and she would constantly ask about Tara. She would look out the window of the nursing home all day, and every time a girl, no matter what age she was, drove by on a bike, Patty would use the board to ask if it was Tara. Oh, Casey, no. I'm like tearing up. <laughs> no, I'm going to cry. Oh my God. And she couldn't speak. She was using this board. Oh, no. <laughs> she died on May 11th, 2006 from complications of the stroke. But maybe the most heart... I told y'all it was dark. (laughs) Maybe the most heartbreaking thing of all, though. Henry Brown didn't make his deathbed confession until 2008. And Patty died in 2006. Meaning that even though no charges were made, no one was arrested, Patty never got to hear the one story that really held weight and was really, like, valid and understandable... So she never even knew the names or what happened to her daughter or could even speculate like that. No, dude, I can't. <laughs> oh my God. It's really hard. Oh, and there's like no happy ending to this, is there? Not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no. Tara's friend named Melinda Esquibel. I may be pronouncing that wrong, but she hosts a podcast called the the Tara Calico Investigation, um, in which she keeps Tara's memory alive. Mm -hmm. Um, She has information and case files available online so that people can get involved or come forward if they know anything. Mm -hmm. The case was actually reopened in 2013. Okay. So it's ongoing. Um, there's still a $20,000 award offered by the FBI for anyone who can provide information, which leads to a body or an arrest. Mm -hmm. Um, Melinda, her friend with the podcast is like a full sleuth and does like full investigative journalism, detective work. Like her podcast is like, she like interviews people. She hunts shit down. She like goes through records. Like she's like deep in it. Wow, what's the what's the name of the podcast? You can find it at uh, taracalico.com. T-A-R-A-C-A-L-I-C-O.com. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything, um, you, you, we're talking to you. <laughs> you guys out there. <laughs> um, you should contact your local FBI office mm-hmm. or nearest American embassy or consulate. Wow. Um, and yeah, that's... That's it? That's... <laughs> Tara Calico. Oh my god. That's a really, really tough one. Oh man, I don't I don't think I could do more of these mother-daughter ones. That's gonna make me cry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Ugh. 
And just the way that if she had lived two years two longer, years. she wouldn't have seen an arrest. She wouldn't have seen any of that, but she could have heard a story that like really like held some water. That, oh my fucking, ah, no, my heart, Casey, that one's terrible. I'm sorry. Oh man. And it's in the photo. Let oh me, God. Let me, I'm going to looking up the photo for you, Lauren. Okay, great. It's like not. It's not fun to look at, but... We'll have to put this on the YouTube video, too. Yeah. But it's... Oh, no, dude. That's it. It's horrific. And they still don't know if it's her or not. I mean, the sheriff is adamant that it's not, and he's adamant that it was these teenage boys, but, like... I don't know. Christ, that is horrifying. Because you look at that, you know, and you... it's it could be nothing other than two people that have been kidnapped, you know. Yeah, like I the, mean, it, it, like it's not a fucking joke. <laughs> what else would it be? Oh god. And if it is a joke, it's a weird freaking joke. Oh, that's so fucked up. And that's dude. the train picture. Oh. I have like full body. Oh, chest. that one is foul. I don't. I don't like that. <laughs> anyway. Oh god. That's Tara Calico. I, I thanks. I guess. <laughs> Congratulations. Shut up. <laughs> So we're in a weird mood now. Yeah, because he really, really brought the vibes down. We're going to drink some rosé. Yeah. We're going to do some editing. Yep. Be good. I want to make some TikToks. Yeah. I think that'll make me a little happier after Show all me that. some of the sounds that you want to do. <laughs> They're all going to be so mentally ill. <laughs> One of my favorite ones right now, and I know this is going to make sense to literally nobody, is a audio edit of a man that sounds like Rick Sanchez going, butterfly in my ass. <laughs> butterfly in my ass. And that's it. That's the entire sound. A hobby would really do you well. <laughs> this is my hobby, <laughs> you fucker. We're not merging those two worlds no, for you. No, 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 we're not. But butterfly in my ass. <laughs> that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. It's usually just like a video of someone's pet doing something really stupid. Like, I can't explain it. That's I'm our new sorry. outro music. Oh, that would be great. Um, we have a story to tell. <laughs> in case you guys are, you know, sitting there on, you know, Spotify or Apple or YouTube or what have you, and you're thinking, wow... Um, these two are very smart. <laughs> <laughs> one of us is, and one of us is not. I wouldn't say that. The latter is me. <laughs> um, so, Lauren, mm-hmm. yesterday? Yes. Texted me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, we have two very, we have a lot of beautiful women friends. Yes. We have two in particular that are very beautiful. Yes. And <laughs> Lauren texted me saying something <laughs> along the lines of like, what you? What did you say? I said you need to be stop. You need to stop being friends with so many beautiful women because when I see them, my brain turns to mush and I can't speak to them because I have gay brain. <laughs> and I named two friends in particular. <laughs> and then within ten seconds, I screenshotted that and sent it. Well, thought I sent it to those two named friends. And then I get a text from Lauren that says, why did you send me that? He sent it back to me. I I replied to the message and I was like, you fucker. You tried to expose me being gay. I was literally going to. 
Like, I was like, you're lucky I didn't, like, attach a text that said, like, she's such a slut. Like, <laughs> I didn't even say anything in the You were just trying to shame me. Literally. I was just fully, like, trying to, like, publicly shame one. You know what? And um, if I saw those two women again, I would say that with my chest because they are so beautiful. Yeah, you know who you are, you listeners. Do. They might. I don't know if they do. but I don't know. You could text them about it now. I could send them the screenshot. Yeah, it's right funny. <laughs> You're like, if you want some tea, <laughs> listen to the newest episode of Magnum B.I. <laughs> so I'm deeply sorry that I tried to out you as a gay woman. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, fuck, look, look at what I'm wearing. <laughs> this is called Magnum B.I. It's called like. Magnum B.I. I'm wearing a crop top and it's 30 huh? degrees outside. And it's half flannel. I have dyed hair. <laughs> <laughs> this is really cute. I like this a lot. Thank you. It's really cute. I thrifted it. Did you? Yeah, even gayer. Yes. <laughs> So, I don't know what kind of signals I'm sending out, but you just amplified them. So, uh-huh. thank you. You're welcome. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I mean, this one was heavy. Yeah. I just realized I don't know which case I'm doing next. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a nice little surprise. Yeah, it will. You know what? I'm going to keep you guys guessing. Is it? Oh, it might be. Do you want it to be? It's up to you. Okay, we'll do that one. Next week. <laughs> next week, I'm going to be doing Eileen Warnos. And um, I don't know. I think as far as female serial killers go, she might be like the one that like at least everyone in America kind of knows. Yeah. Aside from like maybe some kind of like angel of death nurse or something like that. She was very famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to do a lot of the research. I'm going to do the biography. And I know you wanted to include some poetry. I do. So we're going to make this very WGS. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about Eileen. So if yeah. you want to hear it, um, tune in next week and see what's up. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, it should be good. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Follow and rate on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, check out the TikTok. I'm going to try and put some things on there. So hopefully Butterfly be... in my ass. <laughs> Maybe not that. <laughs> but hopefully there should be a couple of memes on there. Yeah. So check it out. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much. And Magnum, Magnum. B.I. Bye. Bye.